I'm Brittany Gallagher reporting to you on Digital Culture for Digital Village. AI. Some people think it'll save us. Others think it's our downfall. Science fiction has mixed feelings. But one thing is for sure. We should all be paying attention to developments in AI and what that means for us. My guest this week is David Dow, a researcher and PhD student at ETH Zurich and UC Berkeley. David created a GitHub repository called Awful AI to help raise awareness. Awful AI is is a curated list of, well, Awful AI that tracks some concerning uses of AI around privacy and things like predictive policing, fake news bots, and social credit systems. I spoke with David about some examples of Awful AI, some AI that's actually helping to combat those things. But first, what brought him to start Awful AI? I've been working in AI for, for a while already now. But I really thought about the implications of AI and society when I started working in a self-driving car company in California, where I was responsible for those planning algorithms of self-driving cars. And the trolley problem, right, if a car has to decide to hit a little child or grandma, how, how should it decide, right? Like those moral implications of suddenly of the code you're writing. And that really got me thinking about the societal impact of AI and the systems we're designing, and not just for the purpose of solving a problem, but also like in a bigger scale. What does it mean for society? How can I protect the individual when I use those algorithms? And that got me really interested in related areas like privacy-preserving technologies, fairness in algorithms, and model safety. So when I then tried to explain my mom, she's always interested in what I'm doing. And she was asked, what are you doing? What are you up to? I was telling her about all the cool tech, like mathematics we're using to preserve privacy. But I noticed that that's not really reaching her as much as showing her why we are doing this, showing her examples of if you're not doing this, what could happen, right? So I, I started looking out for really bad examples of AI. Unfortunately, or luckily, that was like during the whole Cambridge Analytica thing. I basically got a bunch of examples already from my mom and telling her, look, mom, if you're not caring about what impact and what responsibility you do with your technology, then you have like examples like those and those and those. And I noticed that this is actually not a bad idea to reach the public, right? So instead of talking maybe what you can do against it, show like some anti-patterns of how awful it can be if you really don't care. And it turns out it's not only a can, it's already a is, right? Like because many of the technologies and applications which I then try to collect in this list are actually already deployed in many cases, which makes it really awful and um, which makes people hopefully aware of that we need to do something against this. Let's talk about some examples. So what are some discriminatory AI that you found? And I know like a few years back, there was Microsoft's Tay that crawled (laughs) Twitter and then became racist and (laughs) anti-Semitic really, really fast. And it was they had to (laughs) shut, quote unquote, her down. And there's just, it seems like a lot of downright terrible stuff. Which of the things that you're seeing in discriminatory AI do you think are the most concerning? I think there's a bunch of cases where people already implemented and already, for example, one large scale use case is predictive policing, where a program is deployed in a police department that predicts hotspots where there's a future crime that might occur. And that's actually already deployed. There was a 21-month experiment in LDP, for example, where police officers are getting recommendations for where to basically patrol with their cohorts. And there's research showing that this can actually potentially stuck into a feedback loop with over-policing some neighborhoods, which are, for example, historically already got policed a lot. So one of the problems why discriminative AI actually exists is because AI itself is only as good as the data set it got collected. 
And even if the AI is statistically efficient or let's say performant and has an accuracy of 90 plus X percent, the data set which it was collected to might still be biased and has a history of discrimination, like, for example, the case data set with criminal statistics, which obviously, if you take from 1960 to now, is biased towards minorities, neighborhoods. And if you use that to train, for example, a predictive pulsing algorithm, then you can get into really, really bad feedback loops, especially if, like in the case of Fredpole, which is the program which I just described, where you cannot audit the program, where you actually don't know how the program itself chooses the spots where you basically predict where crime occurs. So other really, really bad use cases which we found is, for example, it's not only for predicting where crime happens, but also predicting risk assessments in legal courts. Basically, the state of Wisconsin uses a program called Compass, which predicts the risk of uh, someone after getting a release, conducting another crime. And it turns out, uh, there's a New York Times article about this, that also this algorithm, first of all, is not publicly available for audit. And second, that it is biased towards, again, minorities. That's also one of the really bad use cases. Yeah, it's pretty scary to think that neither of those things are auditable. So you don't actually know where that's coming from. Yes, I think that's one of the biggest things what we can do to improve AI safety, security and the responsibility is that we make those algorithms audible. But of course, you have to think about the manufacturers behind those algorithms, right? That's IP. Proprietary algorithm, exactly. And if they audit this, as any software, easy to copy and paste and also maybe discloses some flaws, right, which they don't want. One of the really, really bad things about those discriminative algorithms are also that people working with those algorithms, by not understanding the algorithms, they have a misaligned expectations. For example, you trust, as a police officer, you hear this algorithm which was trained with millions of data points and it has statistically accuracy and, and then it gives you like those biased recommendations. And if you don't know that, if you don't know that those flaws exist like naturally in, just in the technical aspect, then you will take the prediction of the algorithm not only as flawed prediction, but also not recommendation, but actually as something which might influence your worldview as a police officer, right? Like, you think, okay, when the algorithm is predicting me all the time, I should go to this neighborhood, then maybe there's something into it besides seeing that this is actually just a really, really bad, bad feedback loop. And that causes partly due to the fact that those are all closed source uh, proprietary algorithms. Outside of discriminatory AI, what are some examples around disinformation and fakes? Because we recently had the White House show a doctored video of Jim Acosta. So, you know, how is AI playing a role in the collapse of of trust almost? Oh, this this is going to be a big topic. And this is due to the fact that research in generating fake images and even videos are progressing in such an extraordinary, convincing way. From a researcher perspective, this is, we've been like, at the best what we can do, we can generate high resolution images, which are completely fake with fake people who never existed before. We're using technology called generative adversarial networks, which train on a bunch of high quality data sets and generate really, really realistic images. And that we expect can only get better in the next years. So you can imagine that for future use case who has a harmful purpose in mind, can generate, for example, fake Trump videos or like fake incidents where one important person says something which caused a national conflict, but actually didn't say it like that way. So I think that video from the press conference, that's like, I guess that's actually a manual edit. But the moment you put AI on it, 
it looks way more realistic than, I mean, it was really easy to discover that that was, that was fake. Yeah. But the moment you put AI on it, it is less obvious because they will make it more smooth and more realistic and you don't have to cut the scene. You can generate a new scene. So those are really scary use cases. That's something we definitely need to work against. Yeah, the fake news bot. Also, you watch as some news story happens and then you see the tweets on Twitter and who's responding to it. And there's a whole large number of those that are actually bots and not people. Yeah, it's estimated that Twitter has a large proportion of fake bots. People say 10 to 15% of Twitter accounts actually currently bots. There are investigations towards Russia that political elections within the States, but also like within Europe, have been heavily influenced by fake news bots, which spread out really, really horrible messages. And unfortunately, really, really bad and fake messages tend to spread out much faster within our social communities than real news. If you scale them, and that's one of the really bad things about AI, one of the big promises is that AI is one of the big scalers of our decade. And such a bot, he will never sleep, he will never get tired, he will just tweet nonstop. And when Twitter shuts it off, he just generates a new one. It's really concerning. Yeah, I know, for example, deep fakes is, you know, where you're able to use AI to put someone else's face on someone else's body very convincingly. Is there any other things in the disinformation fake space you'd want to talk about? Yeah, I think you mentioned deep fakes, which is like a horrible use case. But one of the things I should mention is like there's also very great progress from a scientific perspective in natural language understanding and processing. Right now we are hearing those bots tweeting, but in the future we might hear like generative voices from from fake bots, which are very realistic towards human voices. And that's something which is also concerning as a future use case. If you look at current research like WaveGun or WaveNet, those Google synthetic voices, right? They can be used to basically also generate Barack Obama back or Trump inverse. It's way more realistic than a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah it's pretty scary because you can really just generate someone saying anything you want. And mm-hmm. how do you get things that are verified? On to more awful AI. China and China's social credit. I feel like that's, yes. that's just something that is crazy. <laughs> I mean, what the Chinese government is doing right, is they embraced AI very early on due to the fact that as a technology and the surveillance, they had the infrastructure already, right, with, uh, with the cameras, the CCTVs. And it's estimated that right now there are like 300 million CCTV cameras in China and they're building, like they're trying to double that over the next years. And one of the things back then was like CCTV basically allows you to survey your, your population but it doesn't scale back then because you always had to have someone who sit behind or analyze the video like manually. But now with the uh, occurrence of companies like SenseTime or MacWee who are using facial recognition technology, there's a huge incentive to increase that network even more than people who operate those networks because now you can basically implement those algorithms. They, they can detect your face way more accurate than any other human in the history of whenever, right? And they showed really impressive demonstration videos back then when they monitored a marathon. And those algorithms are able to, from the start on, basically identify almost all of the faces of all those marathon participants and those like uh, thousands of people running over a street in real time. And this is only getting better. So surveillance is a huge part which already is implemented in, in the Chinese society. But now you combine surveillance with influencing and let's say also disinformation, right? Then you have something which has like the surveillance plus weird incentive influencing mixture. 
And that is basically the social credit system, right? The social credit system leverages the infrastructure which the Chinese government is right now deploying and developing and try to use that to have a reward and punishment system towards their citizens. And that is really, really scary because the moment you're not only analyzing using AI, but also influencing and going to the more economic opportunities and promises of AI, then you give those algorithms way more power than they already have. Before that, at least you had a human in between who made the decision. But now when you basically give the AI all the economic incentive power, powering to influence people, and you scaled it up to like a population like in China, then there are obviously huge threats and concerns regarding that technology. It's probably like the biggest social experiment in human history. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like Big Brothers and the AI that's always watching. <laughs> it's pretty scary. And, and speaking of China, the gate analysis. So even if you choose to try to hide who your face is, they can recognize you by your walk. That's true. Yeah. So so actually, that's something we first time I went to went to Hong Kong, and I, I grew up, for example, in uh, overseas in Germany. People from Hong Kong, just by the way they looked, how I walk. They already noticed I'm from overseas. And that's a really interesting, back then I was laughing at it a lot. It's like, that's funny that they noticed that. But of course, the moment you implement that into, into code and algorithm and teach algorithms how to analyze that in a way more highly complex and basically extract the unique code of your gate, then you can imagine that you cannot even hide your face to basically protect you from those algorithms. There's no way you can really hide your gate except for, I don't know, putting a stone on your shoe to make your walk differently. But that's not a solution which, which scales in the long term, right? This is a really huge privacy concern, for sure. Speaking of privacy concerns, surveillance, could you talk about some of the work that's been done on being able to predict mass protests using AI? Oh, yes, that's a new one. So one of the beautiful things about having a living document like Awful AI is that it lives from the community and the submissions from the community. We try to have very strict rules uh, when to accept one of those proposals. But the mass protest prediction was one of the things which I thought, wow, that's so awful. That has to be on the list. Motherboard basically published recent results which suggest that the U.S. Pentagon. So we know already that they are funding this, these technologies. And these technologies are basically using AI algorithms to predict where there will be civil disobedience or large gatherings of civil protesters. Their papers published already which from research institutes, which were able to predict it pretty accurately. For example, during the every spring in Egypt, you have a lot of data for that. You can use satellite images to basically detect the masses of people who gather in the place and the location. And then uh, on the same time, you analyze the Twitter feed and you can then basically calculate correlations on that, right? But you can also, using social media surveillance, identify where those people live. In the list, I listed a bunch of those papers which were published. So what Motherbot shows is that there are several patterns released which are closely related to the U.S. Pentagon military research, which suggests that the, uh, that the government might be having interest to predict that not only on international domains, but also on domestic domains, for example, targeting anti-Trump protests. There's even a paper which was published saying that, okay, how does social media feeds relate to 2016 presidential election protests? That's a very concerning use case because the moment you want to predict where possible locations of mass gatherings and mass protests are, then you can, of course, deploy countermeasurements. Or even if those predictions are wrong, then you can maybe even see a higher increase of police 
Yeah, it's almost like a new whisper network needs to get created. It's all very scary stuff. And it's that's a, a lot of awful AI that we just talked about. So what do you think are maybe some of the more promising, you're calling it contestational AI? Luckily, this problem is getting more and more aware in our research community. So luckily, there's a lot of uh, things you can do against it, especially in the privacy sense. Privacy is one of the first issues tackled by the research community. You have, for example, mathematical guarantees for privacy. You can induce noise in your model predictions to to guarantee that, for example, there's those algorithms which are trained on really private and sensitive data doesn't leak out. You can also use research in adversarial machine learning to protect your privacy using those surveillance and face recognition algorithms. You can, for example, have some physical tattoos you can print on your, maybe like on your on, on your face, and that will basically confuse the algorithm. So there's research to how to basically circumvent the prediction by putting in some noises as input data. So that's really promising. Another really promising part would be, of course, to democratize AI. That's a really hype word right now. So one of the things that's misused of AI right now is, of course, it's not auditable. AI is basically controlled by really large companies and governments which have the compute power and the data to train on that. And it will be one way to basically, for future AI development, allow everyone to train out by generating more decentralized solutions. For example, you can run trusted AI algorithms which are audited on a common shared network. For example, we are researching if it's possible to run AI algorithms on a privacy-preserving blockchain back in Berkeley. And it seems to be very promising. And those are technologies which are just getting started by like tackling the really big questions like, can we make AI more awesome and less awful. So are there any specific tech projects you'd want to talk about, like maybe data selfie or something that people could use right now to help them? Oh, yeah. There are like two ways. One of the things, what the awful AI list is tackling, it's, it's hosted on GitHub. So it's trying to tackle those developers, people who want to design new algorithms in a more mindful way. So there is, for example, a really cool resource from the Center for Democracy and Technology, which tells you it's an interactive graphic, which when you want to build an algorithm, what do you, what questions should you consider, ethical considerations and so on. Papers which are porting easy to use technology for preserving your privacy, open sourcing, of course, your AI algorithms. And there's, on the other hand, educational resources like Data Selfie from Mozilla, which you can link with your Facebook account. And then you can see how, like it tries to imitate what, Facebook tries to learn from you. It makes you basically more aware of that when you're browsing Facebook. It's not just for free, but there are like so many algorithms in the background which are already working and trying to analyze you. And I think we definitely have to start first with awareness and then with the technology. And I think those those couple of projects more on the list can definitely help you educate yourself more. And when you want to develop the other resources like the research and technologies can then be used to implement more responsible algorithms. My guest this week was David Dow, a researcher and PhD student at ETH Zurich and UC Berkeley. David created a GitHub repository called Awful AI to help raise awareness about how AI can go wrong, which you can follow at github.com slash David Dow slash awful dash AI. Knowledge is power, and it's in our best interest to really pay attention to these developments in AI, because some advancements truly are amazing, but others, much less so. And as concerned citizens, we need to advocate for more open AI. That's it for this week's edition of Digital Culture. 
I'm Brittany Gallagher. You can find out more on our website at digitalculture.la or follow me on Twitter at in a quantum world. Right. Hey, right.